0: Yes. Yeah. You did have a God moment. Okay. So the, I'm going to tell you what happened to me on Friday. And so I'm telling you guys, when you pray this, like really mean it. And then God will put you in situations. And, and, and I, it, listen, he, I do know he loves me a whole lot. Sometimes I think I'm his favorite, but you are too. And so he will do the same for you. So pray for these God moments. So Friday, I just real quick, I was going to share that. I shared this with my Bible study Sunday, by the way, some of you need to be at Bible study tomorrow because you miss Sunday. So for those of you who miss Sunday, um, so Friday, I uh, I was going to take the day off because our Bible study was talking about the Sabbath. So I was going to try to take me a Sabbath, which is very hard for me to do. And so I said, I'm just going to take it easy today. I was going to get my hair cut. Um, I did my Bible study that morning. I was just trying to, ha- and I went walking. I was just trying to have a nice, easy day. And so I had a little plan what I was going to do. Not much of anything, but I kind of had some things I had to do. And so... I go walking. That ended up taking longer than I thought because my Bible study took a little longer than I thought. So sometimes I get lost in what I'm doing. And so I went walking. That took a little longer. When I, so by the time I got back, it was hot because I went later than I wanted to. So I was sweating. So I said, I'm going to, and I I ran out of washing powder. So I said, I'm going to run to Walmart and get me some washing powder, which the plan was to go to Dollar General, but okay, I'm going to Walmart now because I'm hot and I want a Sonic water. So I went to Walmart. Well, I went to Sonic first to get my water. While I'm sitting at Sonic, I thought, you know, we want to go camping this weekend. And my friends are coming from Desalmans. She told me they were in site number 83. So I said, let me go see where that site's at and go ahead and reserve my spot since I'm right here by Lake Inn, right? That wasn't part of the plan. So I go to Lake Inn, which they got all kind of construction, didn't know about, so I had to go all the way around. So when I get there and I go up and down looking for 83, find the spot and find the spot I would want, then I get to the office. So I'm telling you all this that wasn't part of the plan. I was not planning on going to Lake Inn. I wasn't planning on going to Sonic, but my walk took longer, and I went later. Okay, so I get to I at Lake Inn, and I get to the I walk in the office, and I said, "Okay, my I, my friends coming to 83, and here's a few spots I would like. Of course, none of them are available." So she said, "Here's what I have." So I said, oh, okay. Let me go back and look at those two spots and see out of those two which one I want." Well, as I'm saying that, somebody walks in behind me and says. I have to go. It was a guy, I could hear that, but I'm still now frustrated because my spot wasn't available that I wanted. So she so the lady, the other lady that was not waiting on me stands up and says, you're leaving? And all of a sudden I hear this wailing. So I turn around and this is guy and he's on, like he fell to his knees and fell to the ground. And he is sobbing uncontrollably, like hyperventilating, and crying. So the two ladies now are both standing up and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he is sobbing. He came and talk. I gotta go. I gotta go. It's all he's like, saying. He's on the floor, and so I got my purse out because I was about to pay. And I was like, and so the lady said. So she calls on the walkie-talkie and she says, "Hey, does anybody know what's wrong with the uh, community service guy?" And the guy said, "No, I don't know. He just ran out. He ran. You know, he ran." So I'm like, "Oh, this is probably a God moment." So I. They all, I just get down on the ground with him. I get, I get on my knees and get on the ground. and put my arm around I'm like, baby. What's wrong? What's wrong? And he's crying snot. I mean, he is just, and he can't talk. And I'm like, what's wrong? What happened? Is something happened. I'm like, okay, listen, I need you to sit, sit, sit. you know, I made him get up. I'm like, look at me. What happened? And he is crying. He is sobbing. And so finally he says, I just got a call that my brother was shot and killed. And if you, Friday, there was a shooting in Morgan city. That was his brother, but I didn't know it at the time. Cause I was getting Masonic water. And so I said, okay, okay. I said, listen, I said, is it okay if I pray with you? He's like, please pray, please pray. So he stands up. So I just start praying and I just start praying peace. And just the only way I would know what to do, you know, until he kind of calmed down and we felt peace come in. Well, by this point, three guys, I guess that works at Lake Inn came in and they all, you know, so I said, okay, now, okay. Well, he hugged me real tight. He's like, thank you so much. Please keep praying. Thank you so much. You know, I said, okay, well, listen, do, do you notice for sure? And we're talking, it's everything. And anyway, long story short. He's like, I got to go, but he rode his bike there. And I was like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to my grandma's. She lives in the projects over in Morgan City, which wasn't far from Lake Inn. And so I said, the lady said, how are you getting there? You're not riding your bike. Because, I mean, he is really upset. He's like, no, I'm just going to walk. I was like, no, I don't think you can walk You're no, let's I said, so i turned to the guys. I'm like, hey, can somebody, bring, like, I'm just taking over the whole office. <laughs> I was like, can somebody bring him to his grandma's? Because, I mean, he's, no, he's not in a position to walk. And they were like, oh, I can't, I can't. I'm like, I, I said, I'll bring him. And so the lady goes, well, I don't really think that's a good idea. And I said, are you going to bring him? She's like, well, I really can't. I was like, well, then I'm bringing him. Like, I'm going to bring him, and it's going to be fine. I'm thinking in my head, pastor's going to kill me. <laughs> but, I mean, the baby is upset. I say, baby, he's 27, but he looked 19 to me, you know. So I said, so the, finally one of the ladies said, well, I'm going to come ride with you. And so she comes right with me, and so we get, I got to witness to him all the way there. I, he was like, could you pray again? I prayed again. I gave him the card to the church. Um, so when he got out, I dropped him off his grandma's. I was the lady looks at me. After he gets out, the lady looks at me, she goes, are you a pastor? Now, I'm, okay, I'm in my, my walking clothes and a baseball cap, <laughs> and I'm sweating. <laughs> and I was like, I am. And she said, there, she goes, I knew something, because nobody's ever taken authority in that office like that. And I said, well, she goes, nobody would have known what to do. Thank God. She goes, and I'm a Christian, but I don't have that kind of boldness. Could you pray for me some boldness? I was like, absolutely. So guys, I was, I brought her back. We got to fellowship all the way back. She wanted to know what church I went to. and I gave her a card and, and invited her. And here's what I'm saying. I didn't plan for that, but God interrupted my whole schedule to make sure somebody with some faith was going to be in the office when he got this call. You know, and, and listen, God loves you just as much. I'm not saying that I pat myself on the back because I honestly, I, I just happen to be at the right place at the right time. God ordained apparently. Right. And so pray for those moments, man. There are people out there that are hurting and that need people to speak into their life. And his name is Wesley. So we'll be praying for him. His brother was shot and killed and apparently it was a drug deal gone bad. And he was telling me on the way he said, and I'm just got my life together. And I'm, I was supposed to go offshore today. And I just, I just got to share with him, baby, that's the enemy trying to mess up your life. So you need to find yourself a church. You need to get in church and don't let the enemy take any more of your life, you know, from you. So I don't know where he lives, but I know where his grandma lives. So I will be making a visit um, just to follow up with that. So um, be praying and pray for moments, man. People are out there hurting and need somebody to be somewhere who can take some kind of authority over the enemy in their lives. And if you're bold enough to do that, God will put, your, put you in situations like that. So. Man, I was so, I prayed for this guy all weekend. I was so excited that God loves us enough to use us. And there's no high like the most high. I'm telling you, I was on cloud nine the rest of the day. I was so excited. So pray for Wesley because I'm going to follow up because that was a God moment. A God moment. I wasn't even supposed to be there. It was a God moment. Okay, Philippians chapter 4. This this one's easy to teach. <laughs> this one's so easy. Paul is finishing up his letter to the church at Philippi. And remember, this is a church that he loved. They were doing a lot of things right. Um, but we find something that they weren't doing quite so good. So he's going to talk about it right at the beginning. So I'm going to start with the, in the NIV. And it starts out like this. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy my, and crown, stand firm in the Lord and in this way, dear friends. There's no doubt, I'm just going to stop right there a minute, there's no doubt how Paul felt about these folks. They were his dear friends, his brothers and sisters, his joy, he called them his crown, the people he loved and longed for. It's interesting to note that Paul was often careful to communicate in this positive upbuilding way in his letters. He, He often did this when he was about to use some corrective. It's like if we would say this, I need to say something to you that may be difficult for you to hear, but I want you to keep in mind that I love you, and I want you I want you to know I only have what's best in store for you. So it's like Paul was telling them again how much he loved them because he knew he was going to have to have some correction. And so, you know, we call that what Sam sandwiching a negative with two positives, you know, because there are always some th- positive things you can say in any situation. So that's kind of what Paul was doing here. So he once again was telling them how much he loved them and longed for them and how they were his joy. But then he goes on to say this in verse 2. Um, I plead with, somebody want to know how to say that? Eudodia? Maybe. And I plead with, uh, yeah, verse 2. I plead with Eudodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes and I ask you loyal yoke fellow help these women to have con- who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement we would say Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Amazingly we know nothing more about this situation than this brief verse says. From this verse we learn that there are two women at Philippi who are at, at odds with each other. I can't even believe that. I know. We don't know what the disagreement was about, but the disagreement must have been significant with far reaching ramifications. Otherwise, Paul would have never made the correction so public. I mean, this was a letter that to the whole church. And remember in the beginning, at the beginning, I know it's been a little while since we like talked about chapter two, but he talks about like having no selfish ambition. Like, you know, make sure that your, your thoughts are pure. Make sure you have the mind of Christ. Remember he's talking about that, but he gets to chapter four, which his letters didn't have chapters, by the way. He gets to this part in his letter and he says, you know, Hey, remember, I love you. You are my joy and my crown. Then he says, but I plead and he calls them by name, each one of them. So it must have been something enough for him to correct him so publicly. And apparently they were important in the work of the Lord since he mentioned that they had contended at his side for the cause of the gospel. So what the commentaries are saying here is that these two women apparently were very important in the work that Paul was doing at one point. They contended with him for the gospel. And then he gets this report that they're at odds with each other. Probably some of the beginnings of a church, disunity, which leads to church splits, so we got to always be careful with that. Notice what that Paul pleads with them individually. I thought this was important when I was studying this. He doesn't take sides. He, sa- he doesn't say who's right or wrong. He just pleads with them to be in unity. Then Paul asked the church to help these ladies have the same mind in the Lord. Can you imagine how excited everyone in Philippi must have been, including these two ladies, when they heard that there was a letter coming from Paul? Imagine how everyone must have gathered with anticipation to hear the letter he read, the letter be read. As these women listen to the verses in chapter 2, I'm wondering if Eudodia thought to herself, I sure hope Syntek is listening to this stuff about not having selfish ambition. Syntek must have been thinking the same thing. I sure hope Eudodia is listening to the stuff about considering others' interests ahead of their own. Don't we often do things like that? When we read, when we read about our Bible or hear a sermon, we say, boy, does this boy, does this apply to sister or brother so-and-so. Then as the, the, the reader got to chapter 4, can you imagine these two ladies when their names were mentioned? They must have realized that those verses before were specifically for them. And uh, those verses helped to put things in the right spiritual perspective. You know, the Bible sometimes... Um, you know the bible's a two-edged sword and so we we're always quick to want it to cut someone else but it will come right back and cut us and i can just imagine i was today today when i was studying i just thought i know the ch- the church in philippi loved paul i mean they supported his missionary work he'll talk about that in a little bit later in the chapter they loved him they loved what he did they they supported him they wanted him there with them so when this letter came you know they were very excited on the edge of their seats. What did Paul have to say to us? And so when Paul started talking about some, and remember in the beginning, uh, it's been a while since I taught Philippians 1, but he talked about how m- many things they were doing right and how proud he was of what they were doing. Whereas the church at Ephesus, it was more correction. The church at uh, Philippi, it was more exhortation of what they were doing right. But then you get to this part right here where he starts calling people out. And I can just imagine, it had to be something huge for Paul to, I mean, he doesn't do that in many of his letters, but to call them out. And I, I think, you know, if we, if we look today to us, and Paul was writing like he's writing the letter to us, that we have to be really careful to not be in, dis- listen, there is a big difference between disagreeing and being disagreeable. There's a big difference. We can agree to not agree. We all all filter our convictions through the word of God and our experiences. We talked about that. So we have to, that's why we have to know the truth. We have to know, I taught on that one time, remember the truth of our reality. We have to know that filtered through the word of God. And there are gonna be a lot of things that we differ on. A lot of denominations differ on different things. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to somebody, that's of a different denomination, I'll try to find what we agree on and start there. We don't have to be disagreeable about everything. We can agree to disagree and still love. And I think this is what Paul was trying to talk to these two ladies about, like, like, you're really causing some problems and it's probably over something silly. Maybe not silly to you, but silly in et- toward eternity, because we have a work to do here. I just had to chuckle to myself today, because I could have been one of those two ladies, sitting all pious, and then he calls my name out, and then I wanted to go under a rock, right? That's what would have happened. Lord, not me. Okay, so then Paul goes back, so after he, t- he puts this, like he, t- he calls him out, he goes back in verse four and says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But it's hard to rejoice sometimes when we have persecution and personal disagreements. Nevertheless, we are to rejoice. We are in the Lord. We have much to be happy about, a salvation that no one can take away from us. And listen, right there when Paul says that, I love Philippians 4 because he talks a lot about that. But I love that because he says, rejoice in the Lord. He's not saying rejoice in your circumstances. He's not saying rejoice in the church you go to. Rejoice because you have great pastors. He's not saying rejoice because you have a great you know uh, youth program or rejoice because you have a great job. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. That means I'm going to rejoice even when my circumstances don't look great. You know, I, I don't have to be happy, but I can be joyful. You know, there's circumstances that won't make me happy, but I can be joyful. And Paul's saying, listen, these two ladies, y'all are disagreeing. Y'all need to get in the same mind. And the church, you need to help them get together. And then I'm going to tell you to rejoice. And again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. And that's what he's saying to us today. You're not going to like everything all the time, but you're going to rejoice in the Lord. We have something to rejoice about. We have our salvation, our healing. I'm going to tell you, my whole family today has been rejoicing over my aunt. I mean, I I was headed to Nashville Tuesday morning. We were planning a funeral. The doctors were given no hope, but God, I have something to rejoice about, even if maybe my life isn't going as planned today, I'm going to rejoice. And Paul's telling the churches, hey, let's rejoice. Um, the, next, uh, the rest of that verse says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This is good advice for anyone, any time, whether in, in a time of persecution or a personal squabble. Gentleness is better than retaliation. I still think he was referring back to these two ladies and the disunity between people. He's saying, listen, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And he goes on to say this. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Be gentle for the Lord is near. Be gentle with people. Be gentle with your opinions. Be gentle with trying to be right. Be gentle with, I have to have the last say. Like, be gentle with that. I'm going to get started on that. Okay, so the next verse says this, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. I could, we could stop right there and camp out for 14 years. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We are encouraged to pray about everything that concerns us. Confident that God will take care of our needs. Rather than worrying or fighting back, we can be thankful, even in times of trial. Paul is helping the Philippians to concentrate on the positive. I think Paul's also talking to us today, too, and saying, listen, guys, don't be anxious about anything. Now, this is a personal conviction, so don't say this is scripture, this is law, but I honestly, for me, feel like there's a point where I get worried and anxious and it ends up becoming sin because I am what I, well, because it's a lack of faith and it, and it becomes, I'll say sin. It becomes a lack of faith in God because I have these control issues and I want God to let me control the situation. That's what it really boils down to. So then I become anxious about things that are out of my control. And so sometimes I just have to learn i 'm just talking about me i don 't know how you are, but for me, I have to learn that you know what i 'm that situation i 'm going to choose to let God handle it. I probably could handle it faster, I probably could handle it wrong, but i 'm going to choose to wait on god number one that 's where my strength comes from so i 'm going to choose to let God handle it but guys there are, there are times in my life, because that's easy for me to say about some things, but there's times in my life when maybe I don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. I get anxious about that. Like God doesn't understand what I'm going through, right? And Paul's saying, you may be disagreeing. He's still referring back to these ladies, but he said, I'm going to tell you to rejoice. I'm going to tell you to be gentle. And I'm going to tell you stop worrying, start praying there's a God who cares about us about every situation in our life and not only that but well, there's no kids in here but we're teaching our kids how to handle things and you know a lot of times you know I, there's that scripture in the old testament that says a, we quote it as saying the sins of the father are carried from generation to generation well that the Hebrew word really is the iniquities of the father which really boils down to the behaviors of the father are carried down from generation to generation because sin's a choice so just because my parents might have been one way, doesn't make me that way unless I choose to be that way. Do you understand that? Now there are some generational curses, but it's learned behavior that we learn. So we have, we have to be careful to teach our kids to not be anxious about anything, but pray about all things. And so they're learning from us. We're giving them a legacy. We're giving them something to follow after. So we want to teach them that you know what this may look bad, but th- listen. According to the scriptures, we are to not be anxious about anything, not to worry about anything, but give that to God. And I mean, really give it to God, not just say we're going to give it to God, but then try to, you know, make it happen. But we want to give it to God. And then we want to listen for his voice for what to do in a situation. And so, boy, that's a legacy you can leave. And if it honestly, if you think about it, think about your childhood, think about your parents, there are some learned behaviors that you've passed down. I don't want to get into a story, but I have a story about that. Like, there is some, I have some learned fears that came from my mom. Like, that's learned. That wasn't just because something happened to me and I'm scared about that. No, I learned how to be scared about that because of some actions I saw, right? So I have to tell myself that, wait a minute, that's not, I'm not, I'm going to choose to not have that because that wasn't for me. You know, that was something that we have to overcome. We teach our kids that. So... Um, I mean, ask, that's the Holy Spirit. He'll he'll show you some areas that you're anxious about that you're passing on. Not even to your kids, but the world's watching. Your coworkers are watching. Your family's watching. They want to know, you know, they, they want to see how to act in situations. They want to see how, how, did you keep your composure? One of the things I loved this week with my family, not what I didn't love was the report that my aunt got until today, but I watched my cousins walk and a faith that I really didn't even know they had. I'm talking to my co- two girl cousins, my first cousins. That's my uncle has two daughters. And so I'm communicating with them about their mom. And I saw a strength and a faith that blessed me. Cause I don't know how I would have been if it was my mom and she's fine one day and she's dying the next day. I mean, my aunt's 62, so it's not very old, <laughs> It's younger and younger every day, you know? And so I watched them with that. And I thought, and one of my cousins don't have any kids. One of my cousins has a whole slew of kids. And I thought, man, they're at the hospital and they're seeing their mom walk with this faith. When I know on the inside, well, I could tell by her text, she was really worried. But when I talked to her, she was calm. She had faith in God. And what was coming out of her mouth was, I know, different than what was in her head. And I watched that, and I was so impressed by that. I, not impre- I was impressed, but I was, I was joyful. Like I was like, I love that. I love that. So you know what, guys? We're going to go through situations in life. Our kids, our grandkids, our friends, our coworkers, they're learning patterns from us. So let's, let's not be anxious about anything, but about everything, prayer and supplication. Make our requests known to God. I love this. He says, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God, I'm so thankful I can't pay this bill today, but you know what? I know you can. With thanksgiving, be thankful in some some areas of our life. If you know anything about me, you know I'm going to be thankful. Okay, verse 7 says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, how many just by show of hands want the peace of God in their life? Just wondering, okay, that's just an IQ. If you don't, I'll take yours. Like, I want the peace of God in our life. You know, I always, this has been my thing for most of my adult life. The will of God is, first of all, peaceable. So, in my spirit, if I don't have peace, I'm pretty sure that's not God. Now, that also means I'm walking with God, so I understand his spirit. But listen, I love that the peace of God, I, man. <laughs> I would sell my right arm for the peace of God in my life. The peace of God, which transcends all, that means it goes beyond all of our understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many understand the mind needs more guarding sometimes in the heart? I mean, I would if I had to pick one, Lord, guard my mind, because that's where it all happens right there. With a confident prayer, we can have inner peace. All those circumstances around us may be in turmoil. We can have peace that by normal standards doesn't make sense. But our faith is in Christ, not the circumstances of this world. How many have been in a situation where you know you should be freaking out, but there is a peace that you can't explain? Seriously, yes. That is the peace of God. When the world says, what are you doing? And you just have this peace you know that's the peace of God. The word of God says he will give you that to guard your heart and your mind. Man, that's that's kind of priceless right there. Then verse eight says this, if anybody's been in missionettes any time at any point in their life knows this, finally, brothers, and I'll throw in sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Man, think about that. Sometimes I have to say this to myself. Is that true? Is that trustworthy? Is that praiseworthy? Then why am I saying that? If you want inner peace and interpersonal peace, then you have to think on good things. And it's, listen, that's not a new age thing. When I'm thinking on good things, I'm thinking on the goodness of God. The goodness of God is everything good about God. So what is good about God? God. He's our provider. He's our healer. He's the ever-present help in the time of trouble. He's our savior. He's our soon-coming king. He's our kinsman redeemer. Like, I start thinking about the goodness of God. There's always something good to think on when I can't think of anything else. Just the blessings in our life. Just the fact that you get to live in a first-world country, which most of us don't even know what that means and how blessed we are that we can live in a first-world country. That we can come to church without having to watch somebody's going to come in and gun us down because we're worshiping freely. Like we have so many things to be thankful for, yet a lot of times the interview will make sure our thoughts on the thing are on things that are not always true, not pure, not lovely, not praiseworthy if you sometimes I wish we could take a recording of our thoughts throughout the day. I mean, how scary would that be? What about if throughout the day you got this little tape mine us women would be. A gazillion pages long. <laughs> but less, Or at least mine would be. I mean, my brain does not shut off. So if I, mean, I got this running tape of all my thoughts throughout the day, I that would be so scary. We have to renew our mind, and we have to get in the same mind of Christ um, throughout the day. It just makes your life easier. Seriously, this, is, this kind of stuff right here, what Paul was writing in Philippians 4, this is some gold. We get this in our life, man. We, life is going to be good. So in verse 9, it says this, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul again appeals to his own example among the Philippians. He tried to live the gospel as well as to share it, and he encourages the readers to do the same. So these people, you know, Paul started the church here, so they had a chance to work with him for a while. And so Paul has now in prison... And he's writing this from prison, and he's been going a while, and he's been hearing reports of some disunity, of some selfish ambition, of just everything the devil tries to throw in, right? And he starts saying, Hey, guys, listen, and if you can't remember all this, what's true, think about how you followed me, because I tried to live my life as an example. He, what he was doing was not pr- like praising himself up, he was just trying to say, Listen, do you remember when you were working with me side by side and how we were living and how we were acting? Do that again, you know, and so sometimes when we get away from when we don't surround ourselves with people who have the same mind as Christ and, and that happens, I mean, in our workplace, and our families, sometimes we start acting like them and so Paul is saying, hey, find people who are like-minded so you can start acting like them and I, so I, I can tell when I'm around someone who's negative long enough I will start talking negative. I don't mean to. It's not even my character. But I will. I'll start picking up on things, and I'll start talking negative. Matter of fact, there's a few family members that Mo says, I can tell who you've been spending time with because of my attitude. Right? They're contagious. So Paul's saying, hey, listen, I'm not there with you, but remember when we were all hanging out like-minded people? That's why it's good to have fellowship. That's why it's good to be around people who are of like-mindedness. I'll tell you this funny story. So I am... Uh, apparently very sheltered. Uh, I was raised in church my whole life. I don't really have that testimony of being away from the Lord very often, um, very much of my whole life. But as I am, as I do things like the other night I had to work concessions at the ball game. And so I ended up in the concession stand with a group of people who I didn't know, a group of parents who um, apparently do not have the mind of Christ. And I'm... I text Mo, and I was like, I am so out of my league here. I don't even know what to do. I'm trying to be Christ-like, but I'm like, are, you, are we in high school? Are you serious? What are, you talk, what are y'all talking about? It's ridiculous. And it just reminded me that I'm so thankful to be around people who are like-minded. Because when I'm not, I'm like very uncomfortable and out of my league. I'm like, I can't even deal with this. And so um, trying to trying to be the light, you know, it was— me and like non-others, and I was like, I just need one person to be the light with me, but it's okay. God's maybe going to use that as a door. Maybe I'll have a story about that later. Um, Okay, so let's now pick up in verse 10. Paul then thanks the church for the help they sent him while he was in prison. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul is, again, thankful for what they've done. Verses 11 through 13, he says this. I am not saying this because I am in need. He was just really thanking him. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So Paul was telling them, thank you for... your." Thank you for giving to me. Thank you for taking care of my needs. And I'm not saying it because I need you to do something again. I'm telling you that I've learned to be content with wherever God has me. He's writing this from prison. Okay. But I just wanted to bring out one thing. Verse 13, where it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. is sometimes lifted out of context to say that Christ enables us to do anything we want, such as to succeed in business. But this is not really what Paul meant. And I looked up several commentaries on this. Rather, Christ enables us to endure all circumstances. So what we use that as like, well, I can do whatever I want to do because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? I've actually probably misquoted that sometimes. But one of the versions of the Bible says this way, I can do all of this, this life, this circumstances, this recovery, this whatever I'm doing um, through Christ who gives me strength. So it's not saying that I can just do what I want because God's going to give me strength. What it's saying was, God's going to give me the strength to endure what I'm going through because of him. And so Paul was saying that, hey, it's I can do all things. What he was saying was, I can do this, be in prison because of Christ who gives me strength. And so we got to remember that whatever God is allowing us to walk through, whatever season we're in, because we do go through seasons, whatever season we're in, God's allowing us to walk through. We can do this. We can do this. Sister Garland, you just did it, right? We can do this because God gives us strength. And that's what Paul was really saying here. So, okay, let's finish up. Uh, Verses 14 through 16 says this Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even then I was in Thessalonia and you sent aid again and again when I was in need. So Paul was saying, hey, thank you. Because you know, other churches, even when I went to them, could not support me, but you guys still did. So he was really um, telling them how much he appreciates them for that. Verse 17 says this, not... Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. We know a lot of times that's faith, your generosity. Verse 18, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from, however you say that, the gifts you sent. Apparently he was a messenger. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So apparently the church was still sending him financial help. And he was saying, hey, I do appreciate that. Now, I ain't saying that so you can keep sending. I'm just saying I do appreciate what I have. Um, And then it's verse 19 says this. And and in return, Paul says this to them. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The, The commentary says this. The reason that we can be generous is because God will supply everything we need. And and God will, including the strength to endure whatever difficulty life throws our way. Because even being here on earth, and I think of the example of Jesus, you know, when several times when he was in a situation, but specifically when he was uh, in the wilderness for 40 days, like God gave him the strength to do that, right? So he can do all things, all of that. Because of Christ who gave him strength. And God will supply all of your needs. All He does supply all of our needs. Doesn't say all of our wants. But he supplies all of our needs. According to his riches and glory. I know we like to quote that a lot. So then he ends it like this. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings. Especially those who belong to Caesar's household. And boy, I got stumped there today. I was like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and so I looked up my probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 commentaries, but well, maybe not that many, at least 10. I, I looked up several, I read several and it said, this is what I got from that. Who, so like, that's a weird way for Paul to end the letter. Like he would always say, you know, whoever's in jail with me would send their greetings or, and he says, and even the people from Caesar's household who belong to Caesar, especially And so here's what the commentary is kind of the common theme. Who are these people from Caesar's household? We do not know. They may have been part of Caesar's staff that worked in various parts of the empire. Paul mentions them here, perhaps to drop a hint that the gospel is bearing fruit in significant places. Paul took special care to include that. He may have been intentionally vague at this point, not wishing to reveal the particular servants of Caesar's household who had converted to Christianity, However, he clearly wanted to encourage the the church at at Philippi that the investment in his ministry was having tremendous influence in Rome. Even those who served among the emperor's household had come to faith in Christ. This is the only specific reference to Caesar's Caesar's household outside of the Gospels and Acts. And I love that because I think, you know, he had just got through telling the church, number one, you need to be in unity. You need to have the mind of Christ. You need to um, help each other out, make sure we stay in agreement. Then he says this, whatever things are true, lovely, good report, think on those things. He talks about that. Then he says, hey guys, thank you for helping me. You supplied my financially, you've met my needs and don't think I'm doing that to get another offering because I found myself to be content but I just want you to know, we send our greetings, and especially those of Caesar's household. I, after reading all these commentaries, I came to the conclusion that I think that was, Paul was just really trying to say what he really couldn't say publicly, that what you're doing for me is not in vain, because I'm carrying on the work even from prison. Because there are people in that, that, that's coming into my spheres of influence that is getting saved and converting to Christianity even while I'm here in chains. And I love that. And he, Paul ends it like this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. I love that. I love that Paul, t- and for the church in, at Philippi, he touched on all things. It's so good sometimes to read the prison epistles and to look how we can relate to our church today. And I know that we, I'm just going to end right here. I know that we support a lot of missionaries and we don't always know what's happening, but we faithfully send the money from the church every month. Um, But I think there's going to come a day and it may not even be the day till we get to heaven where we will know that what we did was not in vain. The sacrifice that you give for your missions giving was not in vain. Because I believe that there are missionaries in places that we can never know about. I know um, one of our missionaries to China, that she was about to get, I don't know if y'all keep up with her, but she was about to get kicked out the country and we've all been praying and they extended her visa for 30 days. She said, I got 30 more days to share what I need to share. And she's there as a a teacher, I think. But um, so when we give to missions like that, and Paul was, he's reminded us here that it doesn't, even if they're given to him in prison and meeting his needs in prison, he was still carrying on the gospel work. And because of that, God will supply your needs because you sacrificially give to his kingdom. And so, any thoughts on the book of Philippians? I enjoyed reading it. Any thoughts? Any Anybody want to say anything about that? Because it's 7.30. Look how good I am. I mean, tonight. <laughs> um, okay, so next week, I'm going to do a several-part series on... Um, the teaching of angels, what angels are doing in the earth today, what's God's plan for angels and His purpose, how we can work with the angels, and um, angels are spirit beings, and they are about doing the Father's business, and how we can—I um, don't want to—how how how angels go about how they operate. I'll just say that. So you want to? I've been saying I was going to teach you on angels. I love teaching on angels and what they do. Um, so. Next week we're going to start that, so I hope you can be here.